Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I wanted to get this episode out right away. I had the pleasure of meeting Jason Salinas today. Uh, We went and met at his gym in Roseville, California, SMB Elite Fitness. He is a bodybuilder, a father, a trainer, incredible dude. Go check him out on Instagram, solid guy. And I had heard about him through a buddy, and he does this really cool thing for kids at Christmas time called Kicks for Kids. And it all stems from a situation he found himself at eight years old being taken from his home and put in a receiving home. I don't want to give all the details away, so check out this episode from Jason Salinas and hear his passion for people and for fatherhood. I know you're going to enjoy it, and if you like it, please share it. Fatherhood matters. The only way that that gets out is if you share it. Please write a review on iTunes and rate it on iTunes because that also helps get the word out. Thank you, and enjoy this incredible conversation around fatherhood. Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm stoked to be sitting here with my new friend, Jason. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, we are sitting in his gym, actually, so you might hear some weights fall or a little bit of music or something, but uh, it's beautiful in here. It's SMB Fitness, Elite Fitness, Fitness, here in Roseville, California. And uh, what does SMB stand for? Uh, SMB originally stood for mine and my partner's name, Salinas and Baptista. Uh, We parted ways back in 2003 very amicable part and um on the spot uh magazine asked me what was smb what did smb stand for and i said strength and beauty two two (laughs) things that everybody strives for they want to look good and they want to be strong so it's kind of stuck did you make it up on the spot made it up on the spot (laughs) oh that's awesome because you're like i don't have a business partner anymore so (laughs) yeah exactly that's awesome cool how long have you been doing uh doing this uh, I've been I've been training for over 20 years. And I guess maybe we should be, okay, so we're in a gym. What kind of gym is this? This is a personal training, kind of small 24-access facility, kind of like your um, anytime fitnesses, but with trainers on, ha- on, on staff. Okay. And um, basically, you know, we're 3,600 square feet. We have everything that you're going to find in a big gym, just one of versus like three of. Gotcha. So very private, intimate um, setting. And um, we kind of pride ourselves on service first rather than membership first. And so we want to make sure that we get to know each and every person that comes in and they're connected with one of our trainers so they feel comfortable using the equipment and know that somebody's here also to answer questions and help them out. Nice. Yeah, it's super clean in here too. Like when you walk around, you guys been in this space for a, for a bit? We have. And I've kind of uh, deemed ourselves cleanest gym in town. Yeah. Um, and we pride ourselves on it. I mean, we're in here a couple of times a week um, from head to toe, making sure that from the bathrooms um, to the dust bunnies behind the equipment are clean. We want people to know that, that, that we take it serious here. Some of these gyms are, are gross when you, when you go inside. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even I went to the bathroom right before we popped in here and I'm like, am I at a gym right now? There's <laughs> yeah. like a nice shower and mirror. It's like, it was nice. Nice. So, yeah. so good job. That's awesome. Um, okay. So to give people a little bit more just understanding of who you are as we get started, okay. um, how long have you been in the gym Fitness doing industry? this? Yeah. So to be honest with you, it goes all the way back to 1990. 
two, uh, my very first job out of high school, uh, as I was going to junior college at Sierra, uh, was working in a family owned gym right, right across the street from the campus. And okay. I was the front desk kid. Uh, they had, had the horrible hours of 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I was just basically like a sponge watching people work out. And I was so intrigued with all the different styles of working out that I basically went to the owners and said, hey, you guys don't really have anybody doing orientations. They're like, what's that? I go, well, when people come in, can I give them a little tour and show them how to use equipment just to get me out from behind the desk? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I got my start and really kind of assisting and helping people. And before That's I, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you saw a need and you just went after it. And kind of went after it. You know, yeah. like I said, I didn't know this was going to be my career yet, um, but really enjoyed just kind of getting out on the floor and talking with people. And like I said, getting to learn from them as much as they were, you know, learning from me. Yeah. Cool. All right. So you are a dad. Yes. Yeah. How many kids you have? I have uh, two. I've got a son who's 13 and I've got a daughter who's 11 going on 18. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Okay, and then, so you got like eighth grade and sixth grade, yeah, roughly? Uh, yes, my daughter's actually in fifth. She should be in sixth, but okay. she cut off, put her one grade down, and my son should actually be in seventh, and his put him his birthday put him one grade up. So okay, so a, they're kind of spread, spread out by spread a couple out. grades. Yep. Okay, cool. And then how old are you? Uh, I'm 45 years old. I, I think I'm 30, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm 45 years old. Yeah, I mean, you got the mohawk going, <laughs> the beard, the tattoos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so cool. And then are you married? Uh, no, I'm not married. Uh, I was I was uh, in a relationship for three years, married for two. Um, and uh, no, single dad right now. Um, I got a girlfriend I'm dating that's a long distance relationship. So gives me a lot of time with the kids. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, as you've been a dad the last 13 years, thinking about either when you first had your kids or, you know, different stages, what's been a good resource to you? Whether it be a book or a mentor or something that you else that you've seen? Uh, as far as past mentor, I would probably say my grandfather, mm. uh, my mom's dad. Um, he was a father of three. They were married up until obviously they passed. And um, he really just kind of showed me what it was like to be kind of the head of the household. Um, you know, as much as my grandma was really in charge, she was one that called the shots. Yeah. He was there um, as a provider. Um, he loved his kids. He were he was involved with all of his, us as grandkids. And um, with a lot of the turmoil that I seen go, growing up as a child, it was really that one stability relationship, um, stable male figure that, man, this guy got out, you know, owned his own business, worked hard, mm. and still was at every family function and would cry over anything. He, he definitely showed me that, uh, you know, not to be afraid to shed tears. And this was a big man. So yeah. for me... Uh, my kids are always like when we watch shows you know are you crying dad I go yeah it's my emotional side my grandpa you know basically taught me that I can be fine with it leave me alone yeah so yeah for sure that's cool what was his name Uh, his name was Bob Robert Pager yeah Mm, and then what did he do for his own business Uh, he owned his own construction company okay but he was your total outside or outdoorsman uh, fished hunt uh, he did it all, you know, your man's man, t- tough guy. So, and was he local? So did you grow up where you got to be around him regularly? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. He, uh, he grew up in North Highlands. He had property up in Lincoln. And so after, um, I actually lived with my grandparents for a short time, but we lived out on their property in Lincoln. So okay. Was, yeah. Great times. Yeah, man. That's so cool. It's funny. It seems as though like really where we get our inspiration is from other people, you know, who've done it before us. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Robert. Yeah, he was a good dude. Yeah, nice. Navy guy, boxer in the Navy, tough dude. Okay, tough yeah. guy, huh? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, this podcast is called Rebel and Create Fatherhood Field Notes, and clearly, you know, Fatherhood Field Notes. It's hey, we're gonna sit down for the next forty-five minutes or so and just kind of open up your life a little bit to us and and look at some things that you can share with others. Uh, but the core kind of my personal mantra is Rebel and Create, and really what it means is 
to rebel against something in society, whether it's it could be rebelling against something in society, a status quo, uh, something you grew up being taught. It could be rebelling against something personally. And then not just to tear the walls down for the sake of being destructive, but to create something out of that. Yeah. So what's something that you're currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? I think for me, uh, the biggest thing for me to rebel against was just being that following that stigma of a single dad who's not involved in their kid's Mm. life. Um, You know, my father wasn't really around for me growing up. And I just always said that I was going to be there no matter what for my kids. And so it's been one of those things that's been important for me to make sure that, you know, I'm at the games, I'm, you know, uh, doing things with them on the weekends. I'm involved with them, engaging with them, supporting them. I I just think it's something that, you know, no one would ever be able to take that away from me that, you know, I wasn't involved in my kids' lives. You know, and there's no greater feeling um, to to get recognition from it. You know, when people call up or, you know, send a text and say, hey, man, you're doing a great job. You're you're a great dad. To me, it's, you know, it puts you on the right path because I think sometimes society and certain people want to bring that down, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, can, can kind of voice opinions that, that are opposite of what you're actually doing. So it's good to see people that are really recognizing it. You yeah. Know? It's funny because I feel like that verbal affirmation of somebody saying like, you're a good dad. I mean, the weight of what that does for you. I mean, clearly fitness that like we're sitting in your office and there's beautiful pictures everywhere of, of uh, fitness and you clearly uh, have put a lot of time into it. And what's the difference in the feeling of, you just told me a minute ago, somebody, you actually gave you a compliment recently yeah. before we started recording about your son. Yeah. And uh, what does that do for you compared to, you know, the work and effort you put into like your fitness? Uh, it's definitely well, way more rewarding. You know, I'll remember those over any trophies that I've won yeah. or any games my son's won, whether he's played in the game or scored a touchdown, I'll remember those memories, you know, of somebody, um, letting me know that they saw that my son had respect and, um, you know, honored the flag during the national anthem while other people were just walking by. It was just a great feeling. Cause I sometimes think we put so much energy on, you know, their work ethic or their drive and doing something and, and at the end of the day behind the scenes, things that they see us doing, they're watching us do, listen to us do, or a reflection of what they're becoming. And for him, to me, that showed respect as a young man. And, and uh, like I said, to get that compliment from somebody just out of nowhere at text saying, hey, we've seen your son doing this. And we just thought, you, you know. Yeah, so you, give us some context. So you're, tell us kind of the story. What happened with your son? What did he do? So uh, I dropped him off for his football game. He has to be there about two hours before. And so walking up to the game, the, pre, the game earlier um, plays the national anthem. And so he had stopped in his tracks, I think, once he entered into the, into the, the field, um, set his bag down, put his hand over his heart, and, you know, just didn't attention while the national anthem was played. And so this parent who sent me the text just thought, you know, man, it was really uh, great to see a young kid do that because there's other kids walking by. There's they weren't a, paying attention. They weren't even paying attention. There's yeah. adults walking by, not even paying attention. And so he just sent me a text and said, hey, I just thought you should know this. You know, it was kind of cool to see your son do this. And so I was actually in the in the gym, not even my gym, at, at 24-hour big gym, when I got this text and literally broke down like a little baby crying. And I just, it made me emotional because I'm always on him about, he puts, he, he, he's got great work ethic, but he, he doesn't have the drive that I have as far as like, I'm going to go out and get something yeah and um i I just it was like this epiphany like yeah you beat him up all the time about having this drive 
but to have respect that people see is way greater uh, of a compliment than him playing in a game or scoring a touchdown. Like I said, people will remember that and talk about that, you know, five, ten years from now. Yeah. You know, when, when they see somebody's daughter, and they go, oh, I know that, that kid, man. He's a very respectful kid. Yeah. He's a good kid. That's somebody who you'd want to set your daughter up with. Not, yeah. You know, he's a punk and he scored four mm-hmm. touchdowns last game. So, yeah. for sure. Man, <laughs> it's so good. You know, it's so good. Um, and it's cool that you care about that stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think more dads do or would, they just don't talk about it, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So going back to something you said a minute ago, so why does it matter to you in the sense of how you're viewed as a dad, single dad? Uh, I, like I said, I just think this, the stigma for a lot of guys when they go through divorce is that, you know, they're out running around, uh, their work takes over. And, and, um, you know, the moms are left running the kids to the games, to the practice, to the doctor's appointments, to the dental appointments, you know, and the fathers just don't play a role in their kid's life. Um, it was something I went through as a child myself. And I just said, when the time comes uh, that I get married and I have kids, I'm going to be there for them, you know, no matter what I want them to know and see that side. And, um, you know, and talking with a psychiatrist when I was young, patterns are created because they're re- repetitive patterns that somebody sees or goes through. And it was one of those things that just stuck in my head. That's not going to be me. Mm. You know, I'm going to break that pattern. I'm not going to be a distant dad because my dad wasn't around and, you know, so on and so forth. So, so is there any defining moment for that for you? Like a significant moment as a kid, or was it more, it's just, it was the consistency of kind of like being at a sports game as a kid and your dad wasn't there cause he was busy or whatever. And it was just this, more of like a longer pattern where you said, you know what? I want to be a more engaged dad. I just think always, I just, you know, wanted to be more engaged dad. I mm-hmm. loved it. You know, I volunteered my kids school, their PE teachers, um, to see the joy of the other kids, you know, you know, gather around when they'd say, Hey, coach Salinas is here. You know I mean? That's a great feeling to yeah. know. And two, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be in a position where I own my own business and I can do that. And it's another reason why I kind of got into this field is like, you know, I want to be able to have my own time, you know, when it's a kid's event, I, I can take off work. I can right. you know, leave, leave the gym with some of the other trainers to take, take over where, while I go down to a dance uh, recital or, you know, dance production at Disneyland. And, and so, um, it's just one of those things. It's like, I'm going to be in a position where I can do that for the kids. So. Yeah. I love it. So my question was, what are you rebelling against and what do you hope to create? And I mean, I think it's beautiful. Clearly you're rebelling against that kind of stigma that a single dad, uh, is, not very engaged and you're creating these amazing relationships with your kids. Um, and then it shows too, right? You're getting a text from a parent for somebody to take the time to text you and be like, man, you're doing a great job. One, it shows that you're doing a great job and two, that it's a little out of the normal, right? That that they might not expect that, you know, like, Oh, okay. Well, the kid's probably going to be a punk now because dad's not around, but you're around and he's not a punk. Uh, man, that's cool. All right. So, when I sit down with somebody, usually it's around a it's kind of a specific topic. And the other day I was getting uh, cut by Julio and uh, we both see him. He's our barber. And I was asking him, hey, is there any really good dads, you know, that would be cool to have on the podcast? And within seconds, he's like, oh, yeah, Jason, you should you should talk to him. And he does this really cool thing for kids around Christmas time called Kicks for Kids, where you get shoes, new shoes uh, for kids um, who wouldn't have them. So that's why we're sitting here and we wanted to kind of get this podcast up quick so that if more people want to come bring shoes by, 
Uh, so let's jump into that story. How does this start? Well, cool. Let's. Uh, we're going to take it all the way back um, to my younger years. Um, I, my father actually uh, had full custody of me at a young age, and very shortly after that, got into a relationship where um, my stepmother became very abusive. And so this went on for a couple of years, not really saying anything, keeping it in. You were keeping it in. I was keeping it in. You know, when I visited my mom, you know, I never really told anybody what was going on. And so this is over a couple of years, mental abuse, physical abuse. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, my dad uh, worked 24 hour shifts. So, you know, when he was home, everything he was a firefighter, he was a firefighter, everything was perfect. You know, I went to a Catholic school they were involved in the church. Everything was good. And then when he wasn't home on the opposite days, you know, this mental you know, physical abuse would, would take place. And how old were you? I was probably, it was probably between the ages of like six and eight years old, almost about a two to three year period. And were you the only kid there at the house? At the time I was the only child. And so, uh, finally one time coming home from visitation from my mom's, um, because I was a little bit late, she kind of took it out on me and got very, very physically abusive with me bad enough to where, um, I had to basically go to the hospital. And so police were called in to interview me. But before all this, uh, when my dad had called to make sure that I got home, she had told him that my mom and my grandmother had abused me and dropped me off like that. So within the next 20 minutes of him on his way home, she concocted this whole story of basically what happened to me. And so being a eight year old, you're scared to death. You kind of go with that story. So that was the story that I told the police. Wow. Was Uh, that your mom and grandma had hurt you? Yeah. And so in the meantime, they had had them uh, at the local police station here, you know, interviewing them, questioning them, lie detector testing them. And they were like, hey, we didn't do this. Get them out of that household. So uh, I'd had lacerations, cuts, bruises, hairline fracture in my arm from my hand being behind my back. I mean, it was a pretty bad beating. Wow. And so the next day, uh, the, the uh, police officers, the detectives had asked us to come back down to the station. And they pulled me in a separate room and said, uh, you know, hey, we, we know the truth. Why don't you tell us the truth? But still being scared, I was still sticking to my same story. You know, my mom, my grandma did it. They dropped me off like this. And they said, hey, well, we're going to take you somewhere safe until you feel comfortable enough to tell and share with us the truth. So they put me in a car and they take me off to the Sacramento Children's Receiving Home right here in Watt Avenue, Sacramento. And literally didn't get to say goodbye to my dad, my stepmom, didn't get to talk to my mom. So here as an eight-year-old, you know, you don't know where you're going, what's going on. You know, these police officers are taking you somewhere. And we show up at the receiving home and they check me in. It would, To me, it's almost kind of like somebody getting checked into jail, right? They get your ID, get all your information. They transfer you to this place. They then kind of go over and review everything you're wearing and have on you. Then they take you to a cabinet where they pull out some used clothes, give to you a couple pair of shorts, underwear, socks, you know, and then they get you set up with a bunkie and then they get you set up with a bunk leader. And so it was like, what's going on here? Eight years old. That's a lot. Yeah. You know? Eight years old. Sheesh. That's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, over the next couple days, you know, my mom's visiting me and my dad's visiting me. And I think I'm probably in there about two or three weeks before I finally meet with this psychiatrist that I felt really comfortable with and was able to just tell him the truth. I said, Hey, listen, here's the deal. You know, my stepmom's the one that did it. You know, had me telling my telling my, telling everyone that my mom, and my grandma did it, and they didn't do it. Well, now you have an eight year old who's told two different stories. So they said, okay, well, we're gonna you know investigate this, and we're gonna keep you in here until we find out further. Well, most kids in the so were your parents pissed? Were they like, we want our kid out of here? Or my no? mo- my mom was like, it's gonna it's gonna work itself out, but we'd rather have them there. Then, then at the then, house because yeah. she knew it was dangerous. Yeah. By yeah. this point, now when I have came out and said that my stepmom did it, my dad was kind of very cold, almost like he didn't believe oh, it. Man. So now he was he was seeing me, but there was a different twist, right? And she's still denying it. 
So most kids that come into the Sacramento Children's Receiving Home are there, they're in the foster system. And so they're generally there from infants to teenagers, 18 years old, anywhere between a week to two weeks. And they're usually uh, transferring. They didn't make it at one foster family. They're then transferring. So to it's just a one. transfer spot. It's kind of a transfer spot. And how many kids are in there at a time usually? Oh God. I mean, I, I went there uh, a couple years ago um, and it, the pods have increased um, dramatically in size. I mean, they've had, there was so much open ground there when I first went there, big grassy area pool. And they've enclosed that with multiple um, units. And I mean, it's, saturated with with young kids all like i said tons of teenagers sad this is really sad so sad well i was in there for eight months wow eight months uh, because the courts decided to keep me there while they pressed charges and went through an entire court proceeding with my stepmom. Oh my gosh! Were you going in your? Were you going to school and stuff? So this going time? to school in there. You're going to school in oh, there. So they have school. They have school. There. They provide for you. Yeah. Dang. And so while I was in there, uh, in one of the visitations that my mom had had. Uh, she came in and was like, you know, is there, I, they, they said I can bring you anything. Is there anything you need or I want? And so at that time, I'm not sure exactly what year that was to date myself back, but like I said, eight years old, I'm 45 now. The Nike Cortezes had just came out, the white ones that Forrest Gump wears with the red stripe, the yeah. leather ones, right? And so I said, man, I'd really like to have those Nike Cortezes. So she had brought them to me. And uh, I always tell people, this is where my addiction for shoes started right here with this pair. Man, I don't think I even wore them outside for the first two weeks. I'd stuff the tissue back in them, polish them up, keep them in the box. Wouldn't let anybody even walk near me, you know, within two feet with these white shoes on. And so it gave me my own identity while I was in there. I felt, you know, it was cool to have something brand new. Right. Uh, Gave me a little, you know, my own style, my own swag. And so... That kind of fast forward is what led into creating the Kicks for Kids. Hmm. And so as I got older, opened my own business and said, you know what I want to, I want to do, I want to create a cause. I want to do something for somebody. I said, man, what, what about doing Kicks for Kids? And so we started this almost seven years ago. Uh, just with an idea of gathering a couple pairs of new shoes, taking them down and donate them. And for the first four years, they had no idea we were. We didn't look for any recognition, any accolades. Mm-hmm. We just collected shoes, took them down, dropped them off, said bye. And about the fourth year, they stopped and said, who are you? Why do you, why do, you do this every year? And the shoes, went. I think, went from like 50 to 100 pair to 160 pair. I think we did almost 165 last year pairs of brand new shoes that we donated. And they're just like, man, we, you know, we want to – they actually um, – they do a kind of a fundraiser, not a fundraiser, but an event for the fundraise people that do fundraisers yeah, for yeah. them, kind of a recognition thing. And so they had us there, and it was kind of cool to you know uh, stand up and let them know because they, once they heard my story, they were like, "God, we got to have you here speaking." You know that you've won ahead and become a successful business owner, yep. and uh, you've been able to give back. And so it's it's important for the kids too to see that somebody who was in there uh, for a long period of time could still get out and make something of their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's just really the vision is just to be able to put a pair of new shoes on these kids' feet. Most of these kids have never wore a pair of new shoes, nor have they ever wore a name brand pair of new shoes. So we do a really cool thing. It's called Kicks for Kids, where we have um, people bring down new tennis shoes to the gym. And when they bring a pair of shoes in, we give them a raffle ticket. Now, if they bring one of those name brands that we just mentioned, Nike, Adidas, or Air Jordans, we give them actually two raffle tickets. And they go into a raffle where we raffle off 18 sessions of personal training, which is $900 in value. And it makes for a great Christmas present or a New Year's resolution kickoff program for somebody. So, you know, we figure we're not going to ask for people uh, for something without giving something. So that's kind of what we give back. Mm. And so um, it's, you know, like I said, it's another year, 2019, and we're here collecting shoes for the kids for kids. Yeah, for so kids. you're, so you can bring shoes 
down can, to SMB, SMB Elite, Elite Fitness, Fitness yep. in Roseville. In Roseville. Until what date can people We are taking the shoes on the 20th of December. We like to get them there at least a couple days before Christmas so they can sort through, see what the kids get, uh, make sure they match sizes, wrap them up, and be able to give them to the kids for Christmas. Yeah. Well, man, that's incredible. Um, one, to give back, right? Yeah. Two, to be able to give back and where it's like, you were there, you live there, and you walk in there and clearly like you look like you've done something with your life, right? And it gives the kids something to be like, oh my gosh, look at this guy. He was here. I still have potential. You know, I still matter. I still have potential. And you're the one there telling them. And I got to tell you, so every year I try to take my kids to do something where we give uh, around Christmas time. So we, I brought five pairs of shoes today. Awesome. Yeah. Last night after dinner, we, we sat at the dinner table and we, we had dinner as a family. And then, um, we got all the kids in the car and I, I, I read your story. So I pulled up Instagram and I'm like, Hey, check it out. Look at this guy, you know, check him out. We look at some of your photos They're like, Whoa, look at this, you know, check him out and told him your story. And then we talked about a kid, you know, coming in it, you know, I, I said 10 years old, but a kid going in and then, you know, we didn't know the full story yet. So I was like, I'll tell you after I meet him. Uh, but I said the story you had on Instagram. And so then we went to uh, the store and said, okay, you guys go pick out a pair of shoes that are your size, right? So what size do you wear? What would you want to wear? And you're going to go pick them out. So we're in there for like 30 minutes and they're like walking around picking out shoes in their own size, you know? That's cool. And so we're like, these kids are going to get these shoes like instead of you putting these on and wearing them some kid and so i really tried to paint the picture for them but like my son man he he was like dad i need new shoes and he he's like these skate shoes i'm wearing right now they're starting to wear on the bottom and i'm like dude we're not here for you yeah you know we're here for some other kid and he got a little he was a little bent out of shape to the point where even after we, like he picked out some cool vans that he really liked, that he would really like to wear. And the girls get in the car, it's raining. And me and my wife stop him and we're standing in front of the shoe store. It's raining. And, and I'm looking, he's 10 and I'm like, buddy, think about a 10 year old right now who gets pulled from his family and he goes and he, you know, shared similar story. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're upset because, and you have like four pairs of shoes. Yes. Your skate shoes. Yeah. are a little worn, but have you ever put cardboard in your shoes? Have you ever had your feet soaking wet? Have you ever only had hand-me-down shoes? Yeah. No, no. So man, it was tough. You know, like I almost, I was <laughs> so close to just taking his shoes off his feet and making him just walk in the rainy, you know, yeah. I should have probably, but you know, finally we get in the car and I'm like, dude, I just want you to keep thinking about that kid who's going to wear those. That's and awesome. finally, you yes. know, after like 15, 20 minutes, uh, we're driving, we had to go to Walgreens to get some stuff. And, uh, he's like shouts from the back, dad, I'm really sorry about my bad attitude. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, That's man. Awesome. So it's like, yeah. not only are you giving shoes to kids, you, there's an opportunity here to teach our kids. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know what I loved? Cause when I saw kicks for kids, my first thought yeah. was like, Oh, let's go through our shoes and see what we could give. Yeah. You know, just kind of thinking that's how we typically give stuff away. Yeah. But in your, you know, your note, you're like brand new shoes. Like I want the kid to feel like they're getting some brand new shoes. They might've never gotten this feeling before, Yeah, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and so to go tell my kids and we're not digging through our old shoes so that some kid can look through a box and find a pair that might be fits him. It's like, no, a brand new pair of shoes, <laughs> That's awesome. you know, dude. So I think if you're, you know, if you're listening and you hear this before the 20th, 
Like, go do this with your kids. Like, it's such a learning experience. And if it's not this, find something. I take I take mine out of school when we drive down and donate. <clears throat> yeah. So I have them actually unload them out of the car with me. Um, they they can't really go. We can't. We can take them in the building, but they're not seeing any kids. But it's the feeling that it's they have feeling. pulling in that yeah. pulling in that parking lot. There's a little eerie feeling. You know yeah. what I mean? Going, man, on this other side of this wall or barrier or whatever you want to fence. There's some kids in here that don't have any family, you know, that have been, you know, from family to family. They're not with their brothers or sisters during the holidays. They're just hoping somebody grabs one of those, those, you know, angels off the tree and gets them a couple things they wish for. And so I think it's important. Uh, like you said, there's so many bigger lessons that come out of this totally. stories that, that come out of this. You know, I had a, I did a boot camp uh, uh, for Thanksgiving. We do a boot camp here. And it's a can drive boot camp, so something kind of cool there too. You come in, we work them out for free. They bring a couple can items, and we deliver it down to the local food bank. But at the end of it, I, always, I have a big audience to kind of gear them up and tell them about Kicks for Kids nice. a couple weeks later. And so um, one of my clients, her husband was here, uh, ex-NFL player, big stud. And this guy's like 6'6", you know, 220 pounds, making it through our boot camp, almost dying. <laughs> but a uh, good friend of mine too. And so um, they called me about two days later and they're like, hey man, for some reason it just sunk in uh, the message that you had. And so we want to do something big. We're going to bring 12 pair of brand new shoes in from infant sizes all the way up to, uh, to yeah, large size. So it was cool. just like, wow. I mean, you know what I mean? So us donating an hour of our time to gather some food for for on Thanksgiving Day, where most people are taking it off, allows us to share this story and gets one more big uh, a donor. So I mean, just incredible stories, bigger lessons learned. It's not about always yourself, and it's yeah. not you can't always expect. You know, a buddy of mine called and said, "Hey man, would you be willing to donate uh, some sessions for a fundraiser we're going to do? It's a it's a crab it's a crab feed for um, Pal Police Activity League." So nice. I said, sure, what yeah. do you need? He says, I'd really like you to donate 36 sessions. That's like an $1,800 package, Dang. you know? I said, sure, we'll do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to benefit a lot of people. We'll do it. So next thing you know, the, the lady who, who puts on PAL, she's the organizer of the fundraiser, uh, messaged me and says, hey, I read your story, and we're grateful that you're donating this for our cause, but I've got something for you. She says, the police, local police, just did a big raid on these guys that were doing some credit card stuff, they raided their house and they had a room full of brand new shoes they were buying with these credit cards. Dang. And so the police donated them all to her because they couldn't really use it for yeah. any evidence. She gave out a few, but have a ton left and says, Hey, we want to donate these to kicks for kids. So it's just, it just, you know, uh, I tell people sometimes you got to think, you know, um, it's bigger than you and, yeah. and there's lessons that can be learned, um, all the way around. But yeah, we definitely, I definitely get the kids involved and it's, you know, it's about the life lessons. Like you said, that they hope they see that and go, man, you know, my dad, it wasn't just about him. You know, he did, and he took care of us, but he, he thought about other people. I want them to, to have that as well. Yeah. It's important to teach our kids that. Yeah. Because it's hard, especially owning your own business, being a single dad, there's like only so much time. Yeah. Um, so to, to make it a priority, you know, and it's not, clearly it's not just so you feel good. It's, yeah. it's not just to promote your business. You didn't even tell them it was your business for the first four years of doing it. Yeah. Right. You're doing it not just for you. Yeah. You're doing it to teach your kids. You're doing it for the kids at the, the receiving home, man. It's good. It's good. And I think it's encouraging because you're a small business, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like you have a thousand employees and there's all this cash flow and there's all this time you're doing it with what you have, you know? And I think for us dads, it's like, well, I couldn't do that because no, find how you can give back, you know, yeah. figuring out how to do a food driver to give shoes, like what matters to you and then bring your kids along for that ride. Yeah. Huge, huge. Um, 
Cool. We'll have a few other questions, but before I, I kind of deviate and go down some other rabbit holes, okay. what uh, is there anything else about the kicks for kids or anything important about your story in the in the home before we we kind of. I, I think the biggest thing is is that you know uh, we need both uh, boys and girls um, sizes from mm. infants to teenagers. Um, that's a question a lot of people ask. I think even some of your larger sizer sizes for men and women, your nines, tens, elevens. There's some big teenagers in there, so don't forget about them. Um, and like I said, the 20th is the last day. We'll take it. We'll actually we'll film it live on Facebook. Oh, cool. Driving, driving it down, so it's kind of fun to watch. And that's on SMB Elite, Elite Fitness uh, Facebook yeah, page. Facebook page, yep. Okay. And then uh, we'll do the raffle for the 18 session, so it's kind of fun to see, see who the winner is of that. Oh, so. cool. So you do that live too? Yep. yep. Heck yeah. yeah. That's fun. Yeah, man. I will say, just with the, the fitness sessions, I saw uh, Alec and... Alec and Dylan. Dylan's before okay, and afters. So, yeah, yeah, the before and afters there in the barbershop we go yeah. to. And 90 days, man, they were shredded. Alec won, I think. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan actually won. Alec, uh, he didn't compete in the one oh, with, with, the, okay, with uh, okay. but the next one, I think he got second. But both of those guys Dude, got they, shredded. Yeah. And uh, they are um, they speak so well of SMB Elite. They've referred us so much business. I'm so grateful for those guys. Uh, they're walking billboards, but also, yeah, right. too, I mean, they share the love. I mean, I've, I've always got somebody coming and going, I got your card brochure from the barbershop. So uh, shout out to those guys. I love those guys. Yeah. And uh, thank, I thank them and appreciate them for everything they do for us. Yeah, that's cool. So what did, did your relationship with your dad ever get salvaged? No, it, uh, it you know, after basically kind of coming out and telling the truth, uh, you know, while I was in the receiving home, going through the whole court proceeding, having to you know stand on trial with a you know a jury and and all that, I mean it just was it was it was a lot. Um, in the end, um, she, it was a hung jury. She was found non guilty. My mom, wow, yeah, really? 11, eleven out of twelve jurors found her non guilty, or found her guilty, and uh, so it was a hung jury. Oh so, wait, okay, so so eleven out of twelve found her. Um, Guilty. So, so one founder not guilty. And so then nothing, it's a hung jury. Yeah. Oh, so then nothing happens. So no charges were pressed. Yes. So basically everything was kind of finalized. My mom got full custody of me. My dad had um, visitation every other weekend, and the rule was I was not allowed to be left alone with her. So now I'm turning about nine, and I can remember going and visiting him, and it was just a cold experience. Now I was the first grandchild or first grandson on my dad's side, so I was very close with his. His parents. Um, now, was his dad Robert or no? No, his dad. Okay, so your 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 mom's dad was the one that yeah, you had a close relationship yeah, with. Yeah. Okay. But as a child, I can remember being very close with my grandparents on my dad's side, mm. and uh, they both spoke Spanish, did not speak English. My actual first name is Sean Jason Salinas, and they they could not pronounce uh, Sean. It was easier for them to say Jason uh, as a as an infant, so they called me by my middle name. So that's how I've always been stuck being called by my middle name. Okay, so, uh, Sean just sounds funny. awkward. Yeah, um, but yeah, so kind of lost all ties with that side of my dad's family um, shortly after because at nine years old I was able to kind of speak up a little bit more, and I went back to my mom and I said, you know. After my dad falls asleep, my stepmom's trying to get in my head again and kind of recreate this whole this whole um, uh, mental issue again. And it was something that I just didn't want to be a part of. So the courts basically said, unless you have an activity planned with your son to take him to and from, you're not going to be able to see him. And so from almost nine, I never seen my dad again. Wow. He lived in the Sacramento area. You know, had two other two other children uh, that grew up here. I never really had a relationship with them. And um, it's not anything that I've ever like 
uh, dwelled upon as far as, you know, felt like, wow, my dad's not around, poor yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just, it was one of the things, okay, up and move on. You know, I'm, I'm glad to be in a safe home. Um, I was. What's wild though is, I mean, you said at three and a half years old, he fought to have you. Yeah. You know, so he fought to have you. And there was obviously something going on there. So he put all this work in because that's hard as a dad to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, you know, that other relationship he had kind of won out, I guess. Yeah. So I think that it's super interesting to me when I hear somebody who just chooses not to be a victim. So much of our culture is like, you know, oh, poor me. I did, my dad left when I was nine or he, you know, he didn't want to spend time with me. And so then you fall into just being an idiot and then taking that through your life. How or what is it that you think that made you go 10 years old? I'm just going to I'm just going to go be me and I'm going to go after life. Or was high school, middle school hard and stuff because of that? You know, I, I just I, I kind of all I think of that word as drive. You know, what I mean, just like. I have drive to move on and not let that affect me. Uh, I, I contribute it to, I, I say I'm a good communicator. Um, <laughs> some past girlfriends will probably say no. But, um, <laughs> but you know, at a young age, I could actually, you know, at 10 years old, I could have a conversation with a new friend and him say, hey, why is your, not, your dad not around? And share with him the whole story. You know, it wasn't something I bottled up. It wasn't something that took me until I was later in life to be able to open up and talk about it. I'd always been very open about it. And... Um, I've always felt that, you know, I've just had a, a compassionate side and it was just one of those things that, you know, through middle school and even high school, I was the kid that was, you know, known as the peer helper or the counselor mm. that they called on to speak with the kids. And so it was kind of like, wow, this might be, you know, my path and maybe I want to be a child psychologist or, you know, counselor and work with kids and, and um, you know, made the mistake of taking my first first psychology class uh a night class right after football practice. Uh, so I didn't pass that class. And so I said, I need to find a different avenue in, in order to help people. And it, it kind of fell into fitness, you know? And do you find that, uh, well, this is probably a weird question. I, I guess, do you find that as you are training people with fitness, I mean, that's kind of an intimate relationship you build with people. So I'm assuming that, you know, other stuff comes up that you're Most able to definitely. speak into yeah. people's lives. It is kind of like being a psychologist and a, and a trainer in one. Really it is. They trust in you. Uh, and you, you, you build them up and you motivate them not only through just the physical exercise, but the mental aspect of it yeah. as well. You mm, know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, all of us, life is just messy. Every single one of us has messiness in life yeah. and we all cope with it in different ways. And fitness is a great way to cope with just not even cope with, but to deal with, there's a lot going on inside of us. So to be able to show up and work hard and conquer stuff, and then you're alongside helping people, you get to kind of do that thing you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, but you get to have a mohawk and <laughs> tattoos tattoos, right? and not just wear a suit and sit on a couch and talk to people. Yeah. Um, man, that's really cool. Do you think, okay, well, what was it like in the receiving home? Cause I would think there's kids in and out of there yeah. the whole time. So, I mean, you're in there for eight months. You probably, Met a lot of kids. Once again, that drive started there. You know, little things I can remember being in the receiving home is that, uh, you know, just just taking a leadership role and, and taking initiative to earn money while I was in there. They had different projects. You know, if you work mm -hmm. this, every opportunity I had a chance to work, I made money in there. Uh, when you made money and you had good behavior, you were the kid that was able to go on any of the field trips. And I was always able to do that. I think I left that place with almost $65 uh, in the till, uh, when I left. So, um, it just, you know, I made the best of it. I had, I had great, um, counselors in there and that's one thing I was, 
you know, when I go back, I always try to go find one or two of them, shake their hand, let them know. Cause those guys aren't really paid that much for, yeah. for what they go through and yeah. what they see on a daily basis. So I try to go in and, and let them know that they're appreciated and that they, they make a difference in people's lives and they made a difference in my life. And that, you know, that's kind of helped get me to where I'm at, you know, being in, being in there eight months without your family, you kind of build a new family. And yeah. so, um, just the experience in there, like I said, you know, I did go through schooling in there and it was tough. Um, but you know, you make friends and, and, uh, keep yourself busy and, you know, try to stay out of trouble. So when you got out of that going home, was that a hard transition? Uh, no, it was an exciting one because even though, um, I was going somewhere new, moving in with my mom and, and my, uh, newly stepfather, um, I was out of the abusive relationship. So it was exciting, Mm -hmm. you know? So you're like 10 or 11 at this point. Yeah. Did you have a good relationship with your stepdad growing up? Uh, I did. Uh, you know, he was, he was your, um, outdoorsy guy, fisherman, hunter, you know, hunted all the time. Those were never my hobbies. I never really took those up, but he was good. Um, you know, my teenage years at 10 to 13 kind of changed a little bit. I seen a whole different aspect of life. You know, I seen my mom kind of struggle in an abusive relationship, um, that was really led by alcohol. Uh, and so, you know, they were constantly getting in fights, fist fights, you know, arguments, and that's a whole nother scariness. You know, it's one having somebody beat on you, but then seeing somebody, you know, hit on your, your mother, it's, you know. It's so was that the stepdad? Yeah. So that was in, you know, they had had a child, which is my, my little sister at the time. And so it was now kind of a scary feeling to think like, we got to protect these guys, you know. Um, so my mom made the decision uh, to move out of that. And, um, you know, he actually went and got clean and sober. They got back together and, uh, you know, was a great guy, you Mm. know, you know, we had a good, we had a, we had a good relationship, him and I, um, even though we didn't have the same interests, you know, he did a lot after he got his stuff cleaned up, he did a lot for the family. So, you know, I give him credit. And is he still around? Uh, He is still around. My mom and him are no longer married, but he's, he's a great guy. Just seen him at, uh, at Thanksgiving. My mom was there with her new boyfriend and he's there with his new wife. And so it's kind of cool to be able to see that years later you can be in the same area and still be compatible with one another. So, Yeah. All right, so jumping to you being a dad. Okay. Okay, we've talked a little bit about it, but how have some of these shaped, I mean, we've heard some, but how have some of these things shaped how you're a dad? Because, okay, sounds like you probably had your your son at around 32 or so, and you weren't married. So (laughs) it's a funny story there is that we, I was planning on actually proposing uh, at Christmas, and I think we found out in September that uh, my son's mom was pregnant. So we kind of pushed to get married before he was actually mm. born. So we were actually married before he was born. And uh, it was, once again, it was just kind of, you know, you, you hope for it not to happen that way, but it was it was cool to be able yeah. to at least be married before uh, he was born. So, yeah. yeah. So so then, he, you know, you have your son. And, and so when you first are told you're going to have your son, how are you? How is that for you? Ah, God, it's, it's the craziest, <laughs> uh, excitement, uh, surreal feeling, I think, yeah. um, to know when you're going to be having a child, not knowing what it is. And then when you hear your first child is going to be a son, it's like, Oh, you know, you're ecstatic, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden it goes from that to going, okay, I want them to just make sure they got all their toes and all their fingers and they're healthy. Right. And yeah. it's that's all you're praying and thinking about each and every day is that, you know, you have a healthy baby and, and, um, you know, at that time business was booming. So it was kind of like, all right, cool. I'm going to decorate the nursery myself. I'm going to, you know, and I'm not the handy, handyman type of guy. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was just excitement, you know, to, to, to think about fatherhood and, and, um, and know that the visions that 
uh, I had set for myself being younger of how I was going to be there and yeah. how I wanted to raise him and, and how I wanted to be involved in his life and, you know, valuable lessons. I wanted to teach him that, you know, some were taught to me through other people and some were just kind of like, you know, you, you know, you could be around someone else's dad and, and take something from it. Maybe his respect towards other people, his way he interacted with, you know, I had buddies growing up, their dads were interacted with us as kids. And so it was like, you know what? I want to be that dad. I want to be yeah. that dad that interacts with my buddy's friends and they feel comfortable around so that the kids want to be around you rather than leaving you. you yeah. Know? So it's okay. So, um, just to dig, dig into this for a second. So you have your son two years later, you have your daughter. And then at some point the marriage splits up. How are you a dad to your young kids at that time? Meaning clearly you have a great relationship with them. Now you always wanted to be intentional. And the reality is, is like we said, life is messy. People are getting divorced. Yeah. So somebody's listening to this and they're trying to navigate like, Oh man, okay. I'm, I'm clearly this relationship is needs to be over. Yeah. How do you be a dad during that time to your kids? So like if somebody's listening and they need that advice, what would you share with them? Either what you did well or what you wish you would have done differently? Well, I think the toughest thing is, is that when you put the effort in and you're putting the work in and they're being told by someone else, your dad's this, your dad's that, or your dad's not doing this like you should be. At the end of the day, it kind of can wear and tear on you a little bit, yeah. you know? And sometimes when kids are little, they don't know any better. So they can kind of side or vary with certain people because they're not hearing the whole truth or right. understanding it, you know? And so my thing is, is just to keep doing you. If you're a dad, you know, keep putting the effort and time. And as they get older, um, they will see it. And that was kind of the advice I got for a lot of people. And I'd be mm. frustrated, you know, and go, God, you know, they, they think this, this, and this is going on. When the reality is I'm putting in this effort for them, you know? And so it's consistency. It's consistency. It's just sticking with it. Yeah, um, show you know, There's up. times where you're, you know, you could easily go, okay, well, fine. You know, just go live with your mom if that's what you want to do. Yeah, you know, so how not. do you fight against that? So, so the dude who's just like about to give up right now, he's about to go, just, just go live with your mom. And then you just go live with this like super sad callus on your, your heart forever. Yeah. How do you fight through that? Uh, once again, like I said, I think the biggest thing is, is, um, to just show them, just to continue to show them the love. And I, when you get frustrated with those points, it, it, to me, it always seems out of nowhere, I'll get one of those people that go out of nowhere. We'll call and say, Hey. We see you. We know what you're doing. Mm. Keep doing it. Keep working. And it's like, where did that come from? You know, and I, I think it, it, it's a faithful thing of, you know, uh, believing in God. And I think those are little messages that are just sent from random people when you're on that verge of giving up to just that they, they kind of come in and say, hey, we see what you're doing. Keep it up. You know, you're a great dad. And that makes you, what was I thinking? You know, you just kind of shake your head off and go, what am I thinking? They're not going anywhere. You know, I'm not, you don't want to regret giving that opportunity up and two or three years later going, oh, I lost those years with them because I was too frustrated. You know, there is no giving up. That's the end of, yeah. at the, end of the day. There is just, no giving up. There is no giving up. You can't, as much as you want, you got to fight because, uh, you know, like I said, you don't want 10 years from now, if you gave up them to come back and go, well, what happened? How come you didn't fight for me? And, and you're I like, think, I wanted to, but. And I think that that message is, why didn't my dad have that fight? You know, why, mm. did he, why didn't he say, no, I'm going to fight for my son. That's my blood. And so I, I think behind it, you know, I've never had that deeper discussion, but maybe that's for me that is the thing is that I'm not going to be that person that just gives up, you know? Yeah. Somebody did it to me so easily, you know, who fought for me so hard earlier on, 
I'm not going to be that person, you know? What's dope though is so many people go, well, this is just who I am. And this is, this is like how my dad was. So this is just what I'm going to do. And so the fact that you fought for those relationships is clearly paying off now. So I think as dads are listening to this right now, it's like one, if you're in that situation, just keep at it, keep fighting. It's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. Yeah, for sure. And then two, if you know somebody right now who may be struggling like that, like give them a shout out, throw them a text. Like it matters for us men to be encouraging to each other and a simple phone call, a simple text can keep somebody going. hundred percent. Yeah. We forget about that or we're so caught up in our day. Sometimes it's like, just think of somebody, you know, there's somebody you could encourage today. That encouragement goes a long way. Yeah. Mm. And And I think that's the other thing is as, as an individual and just a person is just to have that mindset of every day who can you you know let know that they're doing a good job whether it be the person that you see you know in the grocery store you know stocking stocking groceries mm. you know or the person you see you know handing out flyers out in front of a store just i think when you once again when you uh when you see those people putting in that work behind the scene that extra encouragement but also too then your kids see that and you're now creating those good habits and those good patterns for future for them to go yeah, why does dad always do that? Well, you know, where does that come from? And like I said, it's just to let know people that people know. Hey, you know, I acknowledge you. I see the work you're putting in, but you don't even realize the, the seed you're planting behind you. These guys are watching. On why is he always telling people that? You know, and so uh, it's bigger. It's bigger than just Dude, the person who you're you're giving the compliment to. Yeah, really. man, how encouraging! Like you are an encourager. You said, and we could just glance over what you just said. Like, oh yeah, that's cool. You just said to encourage somebody who's stacking the food on the gro- at the grocery store. Yeah. Like I just walk by those people all the time going, mm, that's your job. You should be grateful you have a job <laughs> yeah. and don't even pay any attention to it. But I'm walking into a nice clean grocery store with food on the shelves because somebody put that food there. Yeah. Somebody made it, somebody delivered it, somebody took it off a box. Like if you start to play it out and just step out of yourself for a minute, that one thing, what if everyone just did that tomorrow? Yeah. Like how different would the world look? Just exactly. that one simple thing. Yep. Just to stop and say, hey, thank you for delivering my mail today. Hey, thanks for putting that food up there. Or you're doing a great job appreciate or whatever. You. Appreciate you. Appreciate that's, you. That's one of my favorite lines. Just appreciate oh. you. You know what I mean? Appreciate you. It's quick and easy. It kind of sounds cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny because they'll get a smile out of somebody. You know what I mean? And so my kids are like, you're always talking to people you don't know. <laughs> but once again, I think it's a seed that's being planted for the oh, future for these guys. For you know sure. What I mean? For sure, they're seeing our dad doesn't just care about himself. He cares about us. He fights for us, and we see him. And that's the crazy thing is, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, we're on our kids all the time, you know, about whatever. We're on them, especially, you know, the ages that they're at. But they're watching us. They're watching all of our actions. So we can say and say and say, and we will keep doing it, right? Whatever we want to say to them, but they're watching all of our actions. So if they watch me walk through the grocery store, all stressed, in a hurry, get in, get out, let's go. Or if they see me cruise in, I'm talking to them, I'm engaging with them. I notice somebody, hey, I appreciate you. Like, how is their own internal stress and stability going to feel by just that simple thing? So I think it's cool because as dads, we could just stop and go, how do I go through my day? How do I wake up my kids? How do I make them breakfast? How do I help them get ready for school? How do I pick them up? How do I, all these little things, it's like all the in-between stuff. Yeah. And you seem very intentional about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and like I said, some, some of it is, you know, 
it, it is who I am. Mm-hmm. But then as we talk about it and you think about it, God, that, I do do that. It's natural. But then I'm looking, well, God, it is a reflection because they see it. You know, they question yeah. it. And and then the, you just hope that, that they start to involve into that themselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and you hope that they're offering a helping hand or they're encouraging other people um, rather than walking by them or ignoring them or putting them down. You yeah. Know? So, so I'll, I'll go into uh, one last question. And that is when your kids are, say, starting their own home, okay, so maybe they're mid-20s, late-20s, what is a value that you want them to bring into their home that they learned in your home? I would say loyalty is probably uh, one of the most important ones. And loyalty to what? Loyalty um, to the people that are loyal to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your loved ones, your family, your friends. You know, you get people that, that basically you build a bond with and just remember that, you know, um, you need to always be there and have their back because they're always there and they have your back and don't just let it be one sided, you know, don't just expect from other people, you know, know that sometimes somebody's going to come calling on you and sometimes they shouldn't have to call on you. You should be able to recognize, Mm -hmm. you know, their dire needs and you should be willing to just step up and say, Hey man, what can I do for you? You know, do you need to talk? You need to go out and have a, have lunch. You know, you need to recognize those things. I think our future is so, um, tunnel vision right now that they, they don't see stuff going around them. You know, there's not a whole lot of street smarts. And so to try to steal to them that, you know, loyalty is at the top. And two, you know, just treat people like you want to be treated. It's 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 pretty simple. You know, it sounds it's, cliche. But. Well, it's funny because it's really simple, and we just let those words go by our head. But it's it's hard to just choose to do that every day. It's yeah. not hard. We just sometimes we just don't. Yeah. You know, so to clearly teach that to your kids, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, life is going to be life is going to be a lot smoother for you. Yeah. If you take those couple things into your daily actions yeah, and you're not just focused on I mean, yourself from, from actions or things that you say, just think about it. You know, would you want someone to say or do those things to you? Yeah. If you don't, don't do it to somebody else. You know, if you'd want somebody to reach out a hand when you're, when you're down and out, reach your hand out for somebody when they're down and out, you know? So yeah. just think about other people, you know, and, uh, not just about yourself. Like you said, man, this has been really good. Cool. It's crazy. I feel like we just sat down and it's like coming up on an hour and we talked about so many good things and I'm sure there's so many more stories and things that we could talk about, but I didn't know you coming in here and now I feel like I know you and man, you're a great dad. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, intentional with your kids, with your business, with your life. Uh, you may, you seem like you make the most of every day and that those days compound into a lot of great things. Thank you. And so, you. dude, keep doing what you're doing. Right keep being intentional with those kids and then sharing your life and, and encouraging those around you. And, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate your time. Love what you're doing with the Kicks for Kids. And uh, I hope if you're listening that you come by and drop off a pair of shoes uh, in the next uh, week or so. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. What a killer episode, man. I had such a good time getting to know Jason. I looked over at my laptop and we were at almost an hour. I'm like, man, I feel like I just started talking and there's so many different ways we could have gone, but what a solid dude and and just his uh, willingness to share about his childhood experience, his family experiences, his his experience with with divorce and 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 fighting to have solid relationship with his kids. I mean, this is such rich stuff. Super good. I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share it uh, because this stuff matters. People need to hear this stuff. 
and I actually have a special guest at this exact moment in my fatherhood podcast laboratory. What's up, man? What's your name? Brody. Brody? Brody what? Brody Shout. Oh, yeah? How old are you? 10. Okay, so Brody, my 10-year-old son, agreed to come in here. We talked a little bit about last night, which we talked about on the podcast, and I asked him, I said, let me ask you now, Brody, last night in the car, we're driving away maybe 15, 20 minutes after we went and bought shoes, and you said, hey, sorry for having a bad attitude. Tell us what happened from your perspective. So when we went to the store to go buy shoes for other kids um, who don't have shoes and put cardboard in the bottom of their shoes, I wanted a pair of shoes. But then when we were thinking about it in the when I was thinking about it in the car, I was just thinking about that they don't have good shoes, teared up shoes, not new, good shoes with cardboard in the bottom. So then I just apologized to my parents. Because you got pretty bummed at the store and had a little bit of a bad attitude, huh? Yeah. Because you wanted a pair. Yeah. And so when you're sitting in the car, you're thinking, were you thinking like you're pretty fortunate or were you thinking about that other kid? What were you really, I mean, you were thinking about? I was just thinking about him running around in like dirt and getting his feet all dirty. Mm. And how when I run around and choose that my feet are fine. Dude, that's really cool because we had you pick out a pair in your own size, right? Yeah. What kind of shoes did you pick out? Vans. Were they cool? Yeah. Dude, I'm really proud of you. Thanks for sharing that and being willing to share about how you felt and what you learned. Cool? Cool. Thanks, dude. All right, so what a stud. This stuff matters. I mean, just a little outing on a Wednesday night after dinner, bought some shoes, Awesome learning experience for all of us. Yeah, bro? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, your spouse, and your community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time. See ya. Ha, 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 ha.